Well, good morning, everybody. Open your Bibles to Luke. Did you bring your Bibles with you? Show them to me. Show and tell. Show and tell. Excellent. This hands and feet ministry is only a couple of years old, but my goodness, that's a bunch of heroes. Unsung heroes. There's a widow that needs some help, and these guys just show up and help her, and some other older gentlemen that need some help too. It is a selfless, wonderful ministry, and if you like just serving people, maybe you got some gifts and skills, it's a great place to be. Lord, as we study your word today, would you just change us? Change us and touch us and let us know that you're here. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. I want to ask you, how important is your future? Pretty important? Would you like to have a really, really good future? Hold your like hand up. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> another question. I was 19 years of age, uh, found Christ, Heard the gospel in front of a bar when I was a drunk 18-year-old. Great preachers come from bars. Did you know that? And uh, uh, after a year with Campus Crusade at Clemson, the Lord led me to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Oral Roberts University. I got a degree in communications there. And it was a huge blessing the three years I was there. But in my first semester... The founder is a guy named Oral Roberts, and uh, God mightily used this guy. He prayed for hundreds of thousands of people for healing. He taught people about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He brought giving back to the church like nobody's business. And the three years I was around there really impacted my life. And I heard him preach a sermon on Luke 6, verse 38. Have you ever been in a church service or watched a program or whatever? You may be reading a book and your life was changed. I mean, in 30 minutes, you got something that you didn't have before. Hold your hand up. That's happened to me a lot. Has it happened to you before? Well, this is one of those. And let me read this passage. Everybody turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Everybody got it? The words of Christ, Jesus said, give. What did he say? More time. What did he say? Give and it will be given to you. And they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by the same standard of measure that you give to others will be in turn the same measure given back to you. Now let's... Turn to the right to Galatians chapter 6. Take a few minutes, find it. Galatians chapter 6. You ought to mark this in your Bible. May want to memorize this. Everybody found it? Galatians 6 verse 7. Paul writes, do not be what? Do not be deceived. It's very easy to go through life thinking something that is not true. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever 
a man sows, this will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, in other words, if you spend your life feeding your selfishness, that's your flesh, from the flesh they will reap corruption, which is death, darkness. But the one who sows to the Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, from the Spirit they will reap eternal life. Not just life there, but in a good life here. Verse 9. So don't lose heart in doing good. What should we be doing every day? Good. For in due time we will reap if we don't quit. No matter how you get discouraged, no matter who didn't show up, no matter how your heart was broken, don't stop sowing, don't stop giving, don't stop loving. Verse 10, so then, while we have the opportunity, and we have it every day, let us do good to who? All people. I want to be good to people. Because Jesus has been good to you, you should be good to people. Be good to all people, but especially to those who are of the household or the faith. You want to be good to God's people. Okay? Now, now there will be some things in the PowerPoint that's not on your outline. You can write them down if you wish. But I want to talk about the law of the harvest. That's what these verses talk about. This is what is really changed and impacted my life. Your future will be shaped by what you sow now. Church of the Savior is not about today and it's not about us. It's about 20 years from now and it's about people we don't even know. Also, where you are today, and if you're not real happy about where you are today, Where you are today, you are a product of what you have sown in the past. This is not in your notes, but I just want to impress this. Everything in life is a seed. Every conversation you have with somebody, you're planting seeds, good or bad. Every relationship you have is a seed. Every act, every thought, as a man thinks, the Bible says, so he is. Every prayer that you pray is a seed in the invisible realm. You see this chart over here. As a group of us, take an hour this weekend and join others and we're just praying for our church, praying for our city, praying for our nation for an hour. That is a seed being sown. And my heart is to see 30 churches, 50 churches in our city take one day a month for 24-hour prayer because I know it will change our city. It is a seed. Everything you watch, everything you listen to, Everything you read is a seed. Why is it seed? Because it all produces something. It's the law of the harvest. Jesus clearly said this. 
Give, and it shall be given to you. Would you repeat that with me, please? Give, and it shall be given to you. That's what he said. Jesus said this, the Son of Man, which is who he is, didn't come to be served. I came to serve, and I came to give, and I came to give my life as a ransom for many, many people. Now, sometime in college, I heard this little whisper. The Lord speaks to your heart, not so much to your ear. And he said this, Steve, for the rest of your life, I want you to be a giver. Your time, your love, your money, your service, I want you to be a giver. And actually, this has become a theme of mine. The secret of living is giving. It is not taking. The happiest people are the most generous people. And so that's who you are designed to be. That's how God created you. And if you think with me for a moment through history, the people that are honored in history, the people that are honored in Scripture are never honored for what they receive. And we, th- everything, we think about everything in life is about us. It's not about you. They're only honored for what they give. Now here's a perfect example. A man who died two years ago, Billy Graham. Billy Graham chose a hard life. He preached the gospel for six decades to millions of people in tons of countries. It was a hardship the entire time, and he did it till he was age 95. And there's lots of people in heaven because this man, and would you say he is a giver? Yes or no? Oh, yeah. This man was a giver. Another example. Do you know who this is? This is a German pastor, young German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer gave his life for his beloved country, Germany. When a group of patriots decided to remove Adolf Hitler. Because if they didn't get him removed, the country would be destroyed. It was on the way to destruction. And so Hitler executed a lot of people in the last days of the war. But he was executed at age 39. This is his prison cell. 30 days before the war was over, Hitler specifically said, hang that preacher. He and six others were paraded to the gallows naked. And he was choked to death with piano wire. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer is remembered as a hero because of what he gave. Here's another hero of mine, Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman is a hero, an American hero, born on a plantation in the South. She escaped the brutality of slavery, got to freedom in Canada, 
And she decided to do a courageous thing because she was a woman of faith and she was a giver. And she said this, I've got to go back and help people. She made at least 12 month-long missions. Could you imagine walking from Canada to Mississippi in the wintertime at night, sleeping in barns, sleeping in forest, taking 30 frightened people with you back north with a price on your head, the most hated person in the South. Why did she do it? She said, I've been given freedom. And as a person of faith, how could I not give my life to help others get the same thing that I now enjoy? Harriet Tubman is an American hero because Harriet Tubman was a giver. And I just want to ask you today, Are you a giver? Are you a taker? Here's another man born into poverty, Abraham Lincoln, born here in Kentucky. Became a lawyer, became a politician, literally lost every political, every race he ran for except one, actually two. And God catapulted him from nowhere into the presidency in the most critical time in our nation's history. And this good man, Abraham Lincoln, had the seeds of faith, but he found biblical faith and found Christ while he was in the White House. Not only did he free the slaves, Abraham Lincoln kept the nation together. Would you say he was a giver, yes or no? And what price did he pay? A bullet in the back of his head in Ford's Theater a month after the war was over. People are honored for what they give, not for what they receive. And I just want to ask you, are you a giver? Have you made that decision like I made that decision when I was about 18? Or are you a taker? Which one? Our world is full of takers. There's not enough givers around. Now, the goal, point number three, is to be like our Heavenly Father. Well, how so, Steve? Well, because Jesus said, you know, you've been told love your, en- love your friends and hate your enemies, but I say to you, this is how the Heavenly Father operates. You love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you because God wants you to be like him, your Heavenly Father in heaven. And he went on to say, he causes his son to rise on people that love him and people that hate him. He gives rain to the crops of people who are righteous and unrighteous because he is good. He is generous. He is gracious. He is kind. And he is generous. Whether you know it or not, the Father has been very generous to you. Therefore, we should be very generous to others because he's the greatest giver of all time. The scripture says in John three sixteen. say it with me if you know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have 
eternal life. That's the greatest gift. That's, Jesus is the pearl of great price. And Jesus' half-brother wrote in the book of James, every good and perfect gift. Have you, do you have some good gifts? Has God been good to you? Do you have some talents, some skills, some relationships you treasure? Hold your hand up. Have you, has God been good to you? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, whom there's no variation. He doesn't change. No shifting of shadow. He's not one way today and another way tomorrow. Now, the law of the harvest that we're talking about today, sowing and reaping, says this. You always sow before you reap. The farmer doesn't go out to the field and say, well, as soon as you give me a crop, I'll give you some seed. No. We always give the seed, then later the crop comes. I'll never forget... uh, a friend of mine in a previous church asked me to come by her place. She was struggling. I happened to be in the area. I called her, sat down with her. And so for 30 minutes, she showed me, she told me what her struggle was. I can't stand my husband. He is so inattentive. He is so rude. He is so self-absorbed. He is so unthinking. He is so untidy. Maybe some of you ladies have seen a husband like that somewhere. Maybe. And she said, you preached last Sunday how women should respect their husbands and love their husbands and follow the lead of their husbands. And preacher, I just got to tell you something. I ain't going to do it. He's not worth respecting. And I'm not going to give him love of any kind because he doesn't love me. I'm not going to love him. I heard that for about 30 minutes. I got kind of tired of it. (laughs) What my friend didn't understand, everybody wants the harvest, but people don't want to plant. And I said to her, and her name Kathy, I said, Kathy, you've got a beautiful fireplace over there. Oh, yeah, we love our fireplace. It was, it was fall. I said, you remind me of a fireplace with no fire and no wood. She went, what? Well, a fireplace with no wood produces no fire which means no heat. You're the Christian, and he's not. You know better. He doesn't have a clue. You know the Bible. You know the Holy Spirit. You know the Father. He doesn't know anything. I think you need to put some wood in the fireplace. Boy, she didn't like that. She ordered me out of her house. And as I went out her house down the steps, I turned and did something that was not Christian or pastoral. I turned and looked at her. It was actually childish. I went... 
And I said, I got a woman that loves me and we're going to have a good time. Sorry. And when she started reaching for something to throw at me, I started running. Oh, was she mad at me. She came to church the next week. I was afraid. She could have whipped me. But she came to the altar and later came to me and said, Pastor, you're right. I've been so hurt by him and my expectations have been so high. I've stopped giving him. I've stopped giving. I've stopped loving. I've stopped serving. But Jesus said we're supposed to do that with our enemies. And so from today forward, I'm going to love my husband, whether he reciprocates or not. You know what that's called? That's called grace. Guess what happened a month later? Ricky started coming to church. Two months later, he gave his heart to Christ with me. And I discipled him for a year. And they became pillars in our church. You can't go to the fireplace and say, as soon as you give me warmth, I'll give you wood. Are you with me? Someone say amen. Amen. Now, the father who is generous and kind has everything. But he can't work in your life until you give him something to work with. Are you with me? He cannot multiply your crop if you haven't planted the crop. I don't care how many tons of seed you have in the warehouse. Until it's sown, it's worthless. A prayer not prayed is worthless. Love not expressed is no good. Acts of kindness thought about but never carried out Don't do anybody any good. The gospel unshared never changes anybody's life. So, Oral used to say this. I didn't believe him at first. Now I completely believe it. He used to say, if you have a need, what do you do? If you have a need, plant a seed. Say it with me, please. If you have a need, plant a seed. What are you talking about, Steve? I have people tell me all the time, I don't have any friends. I'm lonely, don't have any friends. Nobody likes me. Nobody hangs out with me. Well, if you don't have any friends, it's because you're not very friendly. Agree? The Bible says, he who would have friends must show himself friendly. All you got to do is find somebody else that's broken and has no friends and be a friend to them. That's all you got to do. And keep repeating it. And you have tons of friends. You need help? Nobody will help you. Why don't you go help somebody else? Spend your life helping people. Money. Well, I don't have enough to meet my needs. I can't pay my bills. Why don't you take as a seed what little you have and help somebody else with their miracle? I've seen over and over God multiply The seed, once you were an answer to someone else's prayer, it becomes contagious. You need a job, can't find a job. Why don't you go be a volunteer somewhere? Why don't you say, I'll work 60 days for no pay. And if you don't like me, don't keep me. 
what you got to really produce when you show up there, you know? Time. Well, I don't have enough time. I can't get this done. I'm busy, busy, busy. It's kids and soccer practice and work and all this kind of stuff. You know the key to managing your time? You know what the key is? Give God the best hour of your day. Get in the scriptures and pray, and he will bless your 23 hours. Give, and it shall be given to you. Now, Steve, come on. Come on, come on. Are you telling me that whatever I give will be returned to me? The same stuff. Uh, I am not saying that. Jesus said that. I'm not smart enough to say it. For instance, if you sow pumpkin seeds, will you get a watermelon crop? What do you think? What will you get? You sow pumpkin seed, you'll get what? Pumpkin. Lots of pumpkins. How about this one? If I sow corn, what will I get? Taters. Will I get taters? Sure. How about this? If I sow corn, will I get radishes? Yes or no? If I sow corn, will I get hush puppies? If I sow corn seed, what will I get? Help me out. What will I get? Jesus said it this way. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over where God calls other people to bless you. I grew up with a grandmother who lived to be about 110. She was a school teacher, one room schoolhouse in Carolina. We had these majestic oak trees, probably, I don't know, 12 feet in diameter and pecan trees. And when I was a little fella, she'd get out there raking those leaves, raking those leaves. And she had what she called her hamper baskets, which were about this big around. So she'd fill them, she'd shake them, she would pack them down. And then my 100-year-old grandmother would turn around with her apotenuse facing the basket and just fall in it with her south end (laughs) pressing the leaves down. Jesus said this, the measure you deal out or the measure that you withhold will be the measure that will come back. Or not come back to you. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Anybody that sows sparingly will reap what? Anybody that sows what? Abundantly. Will always reap. Abundantly. So since those early days trying to follow Christ because of these passages, 
my main concern has been not what I'm receiving, not who's on board, not how we're received. What am I giving? Am I giving? Am I giving love? Am I giving patience to people? What am I giving? And then this next year, Lord, do you want me to give more? How can I give more? How can I invest? How can I see more lives changed? Now, here's where this makes this liberating. Are you ready? When you focus on God and others and take away your eyes from yourself, the pressure is gone. You don't think about yourself. You don't think about what you're receiving. You don't think about who likes you. You don't think about who's listening. You don't think how many are in your Bible study. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters, am I giving? Because if I'm giving, my Heavenly Father takes care of me and you very, very well. Just stop thinking about yourself. Stop trying to protect yourself. Stop trying to make people like you. Just love people. Love God. Love people. And I want to be clear, too. We never give so we can receive. I want to keep my motives right. I give out of obedience to Christ, and I give out of a tender heart. We never, you may want to write this in the margin, because I think people in the ministry get this wrong sometimes. We never serve other people so they will serve us. We never do that. It's no strings attached. Freely give, freely receive, Jesus said. But here's the other side of the coin. But because we give selflessly our time, our treasure, our love, acts of kindness, I know it's going to come back. 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 And it's going to be far more than I even need. So I can take the abundance and bless other people with it. It becomes a cycle of blessing. It's the law of the harvest. Now, this is not in your notes, but I just want to say this. This is always, 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 can I say it one more time? Always true. This is always true. It's always true in marriage. Sue and I have been married 41 years. We're complete opposites. She's smart. I'm loud. She's very stable. I can be up and down like a ping pong ball. And we've had our moments. But we had a good marriage our first year. And every year has been better. And I love her now, after 41 years, more than I've ever loved her. Why? Sowing and reaping. We're in this grace marriage ministry that four times a year is marriage coaching right here because marriage is not easy. You have to be coached how to be selfless and how to be generous. I want to treat my wife better than any person in the world. And you have to learn to do that. 
This is true in business, it's true in every relationship, it's true in ministry, it's true in everything. This always works. This never fails. Have any of you eaten at this place in Gatlinburg? It is wickedly sinful. And I go at least once a year and take my bride to Gatlinburg. She has never turned me down. She's never poked me in the eye because I took her to the pancake pantry. Because they have really great food. They have great coffee. You like great coffee? Say, man. They have great prices. And they have great service. And they have great consistency. When you ask Mabel how long she's been working there, she says, 42 years. She's my waitress. And you go to Betty the next time you're there. How long you been here? 37 years. And then Sally Ann... I get it. Sally Ann, the next time I said, how long, how long have you been working here? She said, well, I'm the rookie. I've only been here 24 years. I'm just barely broken in. You know what that means? It's a good place to work. And I kind of like this. I can sew that. <laughs> now, here's my point. If you're a business person, why should you stink at your business? They opened 60 years ago. Their business has done this for 60 years. They close at 3 o'clock. Do you know why they close at 3 o'clock? Because they don't need the business. They are a great business because they understand you reap what you what? So, now my father loves station wagons. And he always bought these big, long station wagons. Wagons the size of an aircraft carrier when I was a kid. This is a 1970 Kingswood Estate Chevy station wagon. He always liked that fake wood panel plastic stuff on the side. I don't know why. It would flop in the breeze when you pass people. <laughs> but my dad was a typical man of the 60s and 70s. He thought, he said with his mouth, with 60,000 miles, I got to get rid of it. It's a piece of junk. 60,000 miles. That's how people thought. That's how the big three auto companies build stuff. Fall apart. 60,000 miles. Matter of fact, GM had this policy. Ford had the same policy. We will actually roll stuff off the assembly line that has stuff not working. We don't really care. We will roll it off and we'll make the dealer fix it. Well, the dealer didn't always fix it. And so trust in GM, Chrysler, and Ford went like this. Especially when some folks from Japan said in the 60s and 70s, we, this is dumb. The Americans taught us how to build cars. We can build a better car than they're building. 1997, look, the Camry sold more cars than any other car, passenger car in America. Why? Because the Japanese understood something. We will build something for 200,000 miles. We will build something for 300,000 miles. This is my wife's dryer in her house. 
She said, Steve, my dryer's not working. What's wrong with the dryer? That little button on there, the little start button, it's stuck and it won't come out. So we did all things, all kinds of things to get that little button out. My son Josh and I, we tore that thing apart, found out, that's right, honey, it won't come out. <laughs> then I had to pay a hundred bucks to a real guy to come out and tell me what was wrong. He says, yeah, it's broke. That's right, it's broke. And then, and then he, he said, there's that little button right there. He says, Steve, these Whirlpool dryers are the best dryers, but they're designed to fail after 10 years. They don't want them to work after 10 years. You've had yours 13 years. Thank the Lord. And write a check and get another one for $900. Now, why would you design something to fail? I don't get that. It's a little plastic tab. Why would you do that to me? $900 for a little plastic tab I can't even see? So here's what your pastor did. I put a screw in it. I said, honey, problem solved. I'm not the sharpest knife in a drawer, but I did realize I probably should unplug that electricity before I shoot something metal and back up in there. So my point is, if you're sowing drunkenness, I used to be a drunk, I'm telling you. If you sow drunkenness, you're going to reap something you don't like. You'll learn to run from your problems. You'll run to the, bo- the bottle, and you will waste your life. If you think there's something called casual drug use, it's no such thing. You are sowing stuff in your life you don't need. Sexual craziness, whether you're 16 or 60, is not good. It will wreck your life and the lives of people around you. God told you how to do it. And if you decide to live a life of lies and deceptions, you will stop dodging the bullet one day because relationships are everything in life and relationships are built on trust. And no one will trust you. No secrets. No secrets. Idolatry. What do you mean idolatry? If you put anything first in your life other than Jesus, that is idolatry. Your work, your kids, your hobbies, exercise. If you put it first, it's idolatry. Give him the first part of the day. If you don't do that, you will be led by demonic voices in your head and your heart all your life. And if discouragement comes out of your mouth constantly, you will ruin your life. Because discouragement will be a ball and chain around your heart. And if you tolerate disrespect, if you are ever disrespectful to a teacher, a principal, a coach, a police officer, a fireman, to your parents, you are sowing seeds of destruction. 
And if we don't discipline our children, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have adults that were your kids who in their marriage have zero character because you didn't come against their flesh. What goes around what? Comes around. If you allow dissension at work, if you criticize your husband, you won't have a husband one day. You just whittled him down to nothing. If you criticize and gripe about your wife, you will ruin her and she won't be your wife one day. And Galatians 5 says, all those who sow to the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. You may go to heaven, but you're not going to have much of God or heaven on this earth because you chose to sow bad seeds. Now, you can't invalidate the law of the harvest. It just, it works, whether you believe it or not. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You cannot break this principle. So, as long as earth remains... Seed time and harvest will be the law of the land. So I would say as your pastor, why don't you put this principle to work for you? Why don't you say I'm going to make changes in how I talk, how I live, and what I do with my money, how I treat people? Because I want to have a great future, not a rotten future. You always reap what you sow, and it always comes to you greater than what you gave it out. If you give anger out, you're going to get greater anger back. Here's an example. One kernel of corn. See it up there? In Iowa, you plant that corn in the black earth, and the stalk that comes out has one, sometimes two, Ears of corn on it. Do you know how many kernels are on the average ear of corn? Somebody want to guess? How many? 500 at the lowest, 1,200 at the most. It's always even numbers. Always. Always. The average is 800. When we give to missions, there's no telling how many people will be in heaven because we sacrificed a little bit. And not only is it greater, it's always later. Just because you love and help somebody today, it may not take effect immediately because I can't predict when the harvest is going to come. I don't know who. I don't know when. I don't know how. That's not for me to determine. My job is to sow and keep sowing, to give and keep giving, and never, never, never stop. In due season, the Scripture says, if you sow love, what will come back to you? Somebody tell me. I'm sorry, you're not convinced. If you sow love, unconditional love, what will happen? 
Well, if you sow respect, this is a church that attempts to respect people, no matter where they are. We love them and respect them. If you sow kindness, what will come back to you? People will treat you with kindness. If you sow trust, because you're the most trustworthy person at work, if you sow trust, you will get trust back. You will get promoted. If you sow friendship, you have lots of friends. And if you sow money, money will find you. It just happens. It's the law of the harvest. If I serve people, if you serve people, people will turn around and help you. If you're responsible, you do what you say you do, people will do that for you. And if you are always, always, always honest, you'll find trust with other people. If you read the Bible consistently, I read through this book every year, and I've done it for 49 years. You know what will happen if you do that? You'll think God's thoughts. Do you know what? If you develop a prayer life, a strong prayer life, you know what will happen? You'll learn to hear God's voice. If you learn to share the gospel, love people, and tell people how they can go to heaven, you know what will happen? You're going to have lots of friends in heaven who will come and hug your neck and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me about Jesus. If you want to change your future, worship team, would you guys come out? If you want to change your future, help me out. What do you do? Change what you sow. Stop sowing what you shouldn't sow. Start sowing more of what God wants you to sow. Church of the Savior is a blessed church family. It has nothing to do with me. We're just blessed because of the Lord. And can I say some things about that? He has blessed us with good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. God and others have blessed us in incredible ways. I am very, very humbled. Here's, I think, the reason. Are you ready? not in your outline it's because we love the scriptures and we think what God thinks is more important than what anybody thinks and I think God's blessed that we love sharing the gospel and I think the Lord has blessed us because of that we love people right where they are You can be a part of our family. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to change. Just come on in because we'll love you and help you. And I think God has honored that. We love to serve. Not in our name, but in Jesus' name. And I think the Lord has honored that.
We love to worship our King, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday too. We, I start my day every day worshiping because He's worthy. We love to get the gospel to the ends of the age, ends of the earth, because we think nobody, somebody that's never heard the gospel, they deserve it at least once. And I think the Lord has blessed that, and we love this city. And we want to bring unity to the body of Christ in this city. And we pray like crazy people. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think you're a crazy person. Go ahead and tell them, I think you're a crazy person. With their hair on fire. I think sometimes the Lord tells the angels, yeah, the people at Church of the Savior, they're crazy, but they're my my people. They're my crazy people. We're blessed because we're givers. I want to show you this. This will be in your bulletin next week. And some of you may have gotten this in the mail this week. This has been a way, a blessing for us. If you notice, not only are we crazy, we're weird too. We don't even take up offerings. How many churches do that? Like either either the Lord is helping us or we're idiots. We don't take up offerings. We don't. Here's what we do. Every year in November, and this is not for guests. This is not for people that this is not their church home. But this is what the home team does. Everybody gets a yellow card. And it's for sewing financially. And people bring it forward on Mission Sunday. Now, if you notice at the top, there's three boxes. One box says, hey, I'm in, Steve. I believe in tithing. And this is what we estimate will be our tithe, 10% off the top for next year as seed for our future. Sue and I have been doing this for 38 years. The next box says, I'm not quite there, but I want to get started. And the third one is how we raise money for missions. This year, it'll be almost 400000 I want to give a faith promise. And a faith promise is not a pledge. I'm asking the Lord to put this amount in my hand next year over and above my tithe. And as he does it, I'm going to give it to missions through my local church. And there'll be a table here in two weeks. And there'll be a basket here in two weeks. And people will bring forward their yellow card. You'll never be contacted and say, this is what I'm going to do this next year. See, our money is important to the Lord. And he wants to know. Since he gave it all to us anyway, anything we have, he gave it to us. And he wants to know, are we going to honor him with what he asked us to do? Or are we going to eat our seed? If you're in, multi, if you're in Ethiopia or Kansas and you're a farmer and you have seed for your crop for next year, you know what the worst thing you can do is to eat all of your own seed then you have nothing to plant for the next year and then you wonder why has God not helped me why has God not blessed me it's because you ate the seed so during this this time of response can you pull the lights down for me Brad?
question I'd like to ask closing the time of our response what has the Lord spoken to you about your sowing your gifts, your talents, your service, your love, your relationships and what needs to change what is the Holy Spirit speaking so I want to pray every head bowed and every eye closed and the altar is going to be open and you can come and humble yourself before the Lord no pressure when the knees go down the heart flies open so Lord thank you for these powerful passages of truth we want to be givers like you Father so speak to our hearts tell us what you're saying help us to be about your business give us understanding today in Jesus name I invite you to come to the altar to humble yourself before the Lord and just let him work with you let him do business with you there's people on the sides that will be able to pray with you but you come, come on come come on and come humble yourself before him let him help you let him comfort you Lord release your power in this room We ask for miracles. We ask for gifts of faith. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for times we've not honored you by our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, for people watching on the web right now, I pray, touch their hearts, Lord. Give them a gift of faith. Show them that you're more than enough. We break off the spirits of fear and greed in the name of Jesus.
we're going to sing a song right now about the Lord's faithfulness. The Lord is so faithful to us. I pray um, that in my life and our lives that we can live lives that are faithful unto him.
out one more time. And I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. We've just worshiped, we've studied think about what we've talked about today. And Lord, thank you for the privilege of being your sons and your daughters. Thank you for the power of forgiveness. Thank you for the power of redemption. Thank you that you help us no matter where we are. And thank you, Lord, that there is a tremendous future ahead for us next year. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you've never received Christ as your Savior before you leave, why don't you just do that? Maybe you're watching online. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior today. I let go of everything. Make me your child. Give me heaven as my home. And I give you my life as a wonderful seed. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, come down and see me before you leave. Slip out quietly, pick up your children. Have a great afternoon. visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.